uh, I believe we might have Bob Kuchenmeister on the line. So before we introduce Bob, let's have a listen to the win of Leanne Leanne at Melton on Saturday. Further back, Icicles running on. Leanne Leanne's in front with 100 metres to go. Icicles starting to get home. It's Leanne Leanne with Icicle cutting it down the outside. I- coming home hard, Icicle. Leanne Leanne clings on for Bob. It's Leanne Leanne and nose to Icicle. Third home Gaelic. Yeah, it was the story of the weekend. There's no doubt about that. 82-year-old Bob Kuchenmeister. Driver trainer of Leanne Leanne winning the final race on the program at Melton on Saturday night. And Bob's been good enough to join us on Big V Racing. Thanks for your time, Bob. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Can you can you believe what all the fuss is about? I had a chat to you yesterday. You seemed a little bit surprised that everyone wanted a piece of you. Yeah, well, it's, I don't know why. <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time. I've won a good few races. But yeah, anyway, I think it's to do with the fact that I'm over 80. <laughs> well, it's not like you're 92. You're still a young man, Bob. <laughs> That's right. Although what intrigues me, and the, there's a lot of us out there these days who those links to the showgrounds are, are, are mostly gone for those who uh, competed at the showgrounds. I think Gavin Lang actually crossed over from the showgrounds to, uh, to and, and sure, certainly Graham Lang, but I'm always fascinated to, to hear people talk about the, the days at the showgrounds. Bill Hutchison used to talk about the betting ring activity and how it was this circular thing where the crowd was at nearly every part of the track. Can you rekindle some memories of the showgrounds days for us? Uh, yes, I suppose I could. It was certainly a bigger crowd, there was no doubt about that, than we had these days. But then most of the people that were there, I guess, in some way, were connected with horses, even if they were milk cart horses. They were connected in some way. So they had a horsey interest. Uh, and then, of course, there were people who had a racing interest, and there were a lot more small-time people like myself that raced in those days. I guess Melbourne was a smaller town then, too, and it wasn't, like, by today's standards. Can you imagine trying to get into the showgrounds, in and out of the showgrounds, with a, with a horse float on the back? But I guess traffic and Melbourne, it was, it was a different city back then, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, 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 very much so. I, I spent a lot of time in Melbourne without a horse float, and that was hard enough. Bob, am I right in saying that one of the, the driving forces behind you still performing at uh, the level that you are is because you wanted to be the first person to drive a winner at the showgrounds, Mooney Valley, and also at Melton? Uh, it was a little ambition I, I got to when they opened up Melton, yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's right. When you look I at the, the wide-open spaces of Melton and Menangle, can you believe we used to race around a little saucer <laughs> like the showgrounds? It, it's very interesting, really. My my personal training track's only 610 metres. And, uh, like, my horses go as good as they can go, I think, I believe, anyway. Um, and they train on that track, apart from when it's wet and I can't get on it because it's only a clay track. But uh, I go over to Mick Coles a lot, and, and Mick's a good friend of mine. And he's been a big asset with his lovely 1,100-metre track. But by the same token, it was more the surface than the size of the track, I think. How many horses have you got, Bob? Only two now. Yep. Uh, we just had Chris Elford on the uh, on the radio. I don't know whether if you, you heard the interview or not, but he said right. the, the, this, oh, yes. the situation with uh, Leanne, Leanne, if it was with anyone else, it wouldn't be winning races. But because it's with you, it's got some special connection. Can you talk to us about the, the relationship that you've got with this, with this horse? Oh... Uh. Nearly every good horse I've had, and I've had about five, 
well handy. They were handy. I've only ever had two good ones, this one and, and Illawarrian. But they were all rejects from bigger stables simply because they didn't have the time to spend with them that I do. Um, I got Leanne Leanne. I had three horses here at the time. And she'd been over at Mick's and, and Mick had had a bit of trouble with chasing staff out of yard and stuff like that. And we got over that because of the fact that I went out in the yard 20 times a day sort of thing and said, you will come up and get your hand full of oats and you will do it quietly. And sort of won her heart, you know. Hey, Bob, who um, did you learn the ropes from? I'm just trying to do some calculations. So you're the same age as my old man and he was born in 1940. So it means that the 1950s, the post-war era, uh, um, was when you were going through your teens and then... The 60s is when your career uh, as a trainer driver sort of would have taken off. Uh, w- w- I remember talking to George Gath once about the, the 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 great old days when he used to put horses on trains to go from Melbourne Adelaide in uh, in uh, in carriages. Uh, what what was what was the era like when you were a teenager in the 50s and then coming through into the 1960s? Uh, did did you ever do that? Put a put a horse on a, a train carriage to transport it from one city to another? <laughs> so how did that play out? Did you just sort of wander up with the other passengers under the under no, the? No, no. I only did a little bit of radio stuff when I was young, and, and uh, we used to go to the station master in the town, which was a place called Borough in South Australia. I know Borough well. On the on the way, if you go to from Melbourne to Alice Springs, you'll probably stop at Borough on the way through. That's where we you stopped on the way Burra. through. Yep. Yeah, you could do. Um, and, and he would organise a special little van thing on the around the size of a bathroom, you know. And you could get a couple of horses on there. You used to just walk them off the platform and jump them in. Uh, and Bob, you, you love your cars, is that right? Did you were you a limousine driver at one stage? I yeah, I come from South Australia in my very late teens. Yep. And thought I've had enough of horses and cattle and sheep and stuff like that. And um, I got into a, a car club and, and did a little bit of club racing and stuff like that, but only mild, like nothing like they do today. Uh, and then I thought, well, I'd better sort of get out of the work I was doing, which was in a factory. And I was working in the tool room of a factory and, and I went, sort of convinced that I'm very very much an open spaces person so I thought I'd try driving a taxi I did that and I went through the taxi industry for 19 years and then got into limousines we used to do runners on taxi drivers when we were naughty kids to how many how many how many uh, renegade runners did you get in the taxi days <laughs> heaps <laughs> any flash uh, guests in the limos <laughs> No, no, I never had any trouble with limo driving. It was a nice life, nice people mostly. Um, an occasional odd job where you... I can remember doing a, a job to a, a rock concert in Melbourne, heavy metal rock concert or something, uh, seven young fellas. I finished up sitting them out, coming back over the Westgate. and said, that's you guys, you know, out. On top of the Westgate? Yeah, oh, no, I got down the other side of it. <laughs> Well, you know, you, you take what you get with um, hard metal passengers, I suppose, don't you? <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. 
And I was pretty lucky. They were in trouble at, when I picked them up at the, at the uh, venue. And the police were already there, so they followed me out over the bridge and I pulled up and I said to the two policemen, you know, I've had enough of this, can you give us a hand here? And they just ordered them out. I don't know what happened from there. <laughs> they might have formed their own band, you never know. Uh, hey, um, harness racing now compared to, say, the 70s, the, the 60s, the 80s, the 90s, uh, what's it like now competing compared to the old days? It, it had a halcyon era through the 70s and 80s with the Hondo Grattans and Paleface Adioses and Popular yeah. Arms and Mooney Valley was had a very, very um, successful era. In fact, the, the biggest ever crowd at a racetrack at Mooney Valley was for the Inter-Dominion one mm. year in the 80s. Uh, how's it travelling now, do you think, Bob, compared to back in, in the heyday? Look, it's not as exciting, I don't think. Uh, I'm not sure why. Uh, the times are so interesting. It's nothing good to, to see a pacer go one fifty three or four these days. Uh, that's that's common stuff. Whereas when I first started out, I had a trouble at one one day at Tarang on two twelve, and everybody said two twelve. My goodness, you know how good that was. <laughs> two twelve today, you'd be a long way behind, wouldn't you? <laughs> Is that the uh, the international bloodlines and and so on that have contributed to the faster times? Oh, I think it's the careful breeding, yeah. Um, we are breeding for speed. I notice that a lot of the horses don't stay as well as they used to. We used to race over 2,800 metres all the time at trotters, and I've specialised in trotters. And uh, like 2,800 metres of the 26 was a very normal race. How often do you see a 2,600 metre race today? You don't. Mm. So they're going quicker, they're on better tracks, we've got better equipment, um, bigger tracks, which in the old days, the old Geelong track, the Cariah Oval track at Geelong, where I learned to drive, like it was about a foot deep. Uh, and you had to, there wasn't the banking on the turns that we've got today, so you got to the turn, you had to take a big hold. So my instructors used to say, take hold and get him balanced around the turn and go down the straight, which was about 110 metres or something. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's a, a big difference. Is there a bit of a pushback towards people craving more stand starts? I, mean, I know they got rid of them because they were fluky and wagering dropped and then, you know how you were talking about it was more interesting back then? Is, 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 is perhaps the formulaic way we do it with continual mobile starts contributing to that? Would Is there any... Yeah argument for sort of going back a bit and reintroducing Hunter Cup, for instance, used to be a stand start. Uh, yeah. Would you like to see that? Is there, is there any common sense in, in, in more stand start races? Well, I don't think there is really. I mean, I was pretty proud of my efforts with stand start horses. I put them on the road uh, rather than put them on the track. And you told them to be good stand start horses by posting them up to home about half a mile around and go and you get dinner. Um, get it wrong, you'll go back and do it again. Uh, um, that was a, just my old process. So I had good stand start horses. But by the same token, the mobile gives it a, a much more even chance. Because if you, in the stand start horse, if you had a good one, the chances were you could lead. And on tight tracks, you could lead, you could win. That's how it worked back then. Well, nowadays, it's not that simple. I'm pretty lucky with Leanne. Leanne, because she's a very tough horse, so I can afford to sort of work around and sit outside and we'll do what I like with her. But, uh, no, I don't know. There's, 
any great necessity, I'm sorry, to uh, have a heap of stand start races. I don't really think so. Maribyrnie has a few, which is good. Uh, Bob Kuchenmeister's with us here on Big V Racing. Matt Nevin and, and Matty Stewart are in the studio. Uh, Bob, before we let you go, it's been great to, uh, to catch up this morning. Um, Leanne, Leanne, where do we get to see her next? Oh, hopefully next Saturday night, I think it is, or Friday night. Friday night. She's it's, come through uh, the run well? Yeah, yeah. I, just, I was out jogging her and my phone went flat and I didn't know you were ringing me. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, she's pulled up. She just did her, her eight miles and pulled up like she hadn't been around. Uh, Bob, are you still going to be driving at, uh, let's say, 85? I don't know. How can I answer that? <laughs> All right, but there's no, there's no, uh, and nor should there be, but there's no end date in mind or anything like that? You're just going to take it a day at a time or a week at a time? Look, well, I've got a nice horse or a horse and can handle a horse. Uh, the only thing I've done is give up shoeing. I can. I had to put shoes on because my fur has gone to, where's he gone? Over to the war zone, I think, um, in Europe somewhere. But uh, I've had to shoe both those horses in the last week. But normally I don't shoe these days, Pete does that. Peter Blacklock is, he taught, I taught him to be, or to put a shoe on, not to be a farrier, I taught him to put a shoe on. When your farrier comes back, uh, get him to give us a ring. We'd like to talk to him about what the hell he's up to. Uh, it sounds like he's over in the Ukraine shoeing horses for some reason, but we'll get to the bottom of that uh, one. No, he's just on holidays. No. Oh, right. Hey, Bob, don't let anyone retire you too early. We'll catch up with you when you're 85 and when you're 90 and when you're 95, mate. Well done on the win. On, uh, on Saturday night, and we'll be certainly following Leanne Leanne at her next start as well. Congratulations. Thank you very much, fella.